Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take, take your Bibles tonight and grab them and go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, the book of, the, the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. A step, up, a step away from our study in the book of Nehemiah just for this evening. And I want to bring you an update about the offering that we collected this weekend for the missionaries and for the pastors in Ukraine. I told you this weekend that we were endeavoring to help a, a, a Ukrainian pastor who was in need of $17,000 in order to purchase a vehicle to help begin to evacuate um, civilians, church members, elderly folks from the city of Odessa where his church and his home is uh, in order to get out of harm's way. And this weekend, through the generous contribution of the First Baptist Church, we took up $17,500. And thank you so... Round of applause for yourselves on that. Thank you so very much for your, for your generosity. And uh, that money is being moved right now uh, over to, to that missionary to help him. And my, my, heart is, uh, my heart is full this evening, but I can tell you this, my, my time is very limited. We have to get our teenagers and kids on the road to the fine arts. But when I think of what we were able to accomplish this weekend by way of this offering... Uh, I, think of the ch- I think of two churches in the Bible. The first church I think of is the church in Macedonia that Paul speaks of in, uh, who, who gave out of their deep poverty and affliction and how that they gave even beyond their power, Paul says. I think of the offering we took up this weekend and I think of even in deep and great inflation, you gave, gave beyond your power. You, you gave, even with the nation's, the nation's highest gas prices, you still, as a church, choose or chose to give to this missionary in the Ukraine. And I believe that the Lord will bless us for that. But I think of, secondly, I think of a, the, this church in Thessalonica. Now here's what's interesting about the church in Thessalonica. Paul was the pastor of this church. Paul pastored many churches. He pastored the church at Galatia. He pastored the church in Corinth. He pastored the church in Colossae. He also pastored the church in Thessalonica. And Paul, oftentimes, after he had spent some time pastoring these churches, he would go away, plant another church. He was writing back to these former churches of which he served and pastored. And normally he was writing back and he is correcting some kind of trouble in the church. He's admonishing them. He is providing instruction for them. He is saying, here is what we were teaching you. Here is what we were doing. Here is what I left you with. And then I've gone away and now you've allowed false teachers to come in. You've allowed all these heresies to abide. You've, you've been patient with this kind of sin. And you need, to be, you need to take care of it. And so if you read through the letters of the New Testament, Paul is writing to these churches and he is, he is correcting something in these churches. And he, is, he does this for every church with the exception of the church at Thessalonica. That is the letter that you're looking at right now, the church at Thessalonica, the Thessalonians. And you'll notice this, Paul is saying about this church, when I think of you, I am thinking of nothing but joy. 
When I think of the church at Corinth, man, they had some problems they had to address. When I think of the church at Galatia, they had some issues we had to take care of. When I, when I think of the church at, at Colossae, there were, some, there were some things in the church that needed to be set in order and needed to be straightened out. But when I think of you, I am thinking of nothing but joy. The church at Thessalonica brought Paul joy. Now here's what we know. We know that there are no perfect churches. You know why there are no perfect churches? There are no perfect churches because there are no perfect pastors. You know there are no perfect churches because there are no perfect people. And so the church at Thessalonica was not a perfect church, but the church at Thessalonica was a remarkable church. It was remarkable in several ways. But it was remarkable, namely, in three ways that Paul points out. And Paul says, you bring me nothing but joy when I think of you because you are remarkable in these three ways. Notice the verse. Look at verse number three. Paul says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. Paul says, you are a remarkably faithful church. You are obedient to the word. You are loving. You are sacrificial. You are worshipful. You're joyful. You're generous. You're evangelistic. You are all of these things. And as a result of this, you bring me joy when I think of you. And these are the realities that were... Uh, that were uh, abiding in the church at Thessalonica and they were the realities that brought joy to the heart of Paul. Your work of faith, your labor of love and your patience of hope. You could, you could reduce it down to your, your faith, your love, your hope. These three, Paul tells the church at Corinth. These three. They are what will last. Faith, love, and hope. And Paul is saying they are on display in the church of Thessalonica. And I am telling you they are on display in this church. Your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope. That these three things, we could reduce them down to one word, and we will tonight just for the sake of the sermon. We'll reduce these three things down to one word. We could say he is thankful for their salvation. He is thankful for their service and he is thankful for their steadfastness. And Paul is saying these three things are what I'm remembering about you without ceasing. I, whenever I think of you, this is what I think of. I think of your salvation. I think of your service. I, I think of your steadfastness. Let's take them in order. Notice, stead, notice their salvation. Paul says your work of faith. So what made Paul, what produced joy in Paul about this church was that when Paul thought of them, he thought about how they were saved, how they had been saved. You say, well, that's a, that's a strange thought. Well, not really. There are plenty of churches full of unconverted people. There are plenty of churches full of individuals who have rejected the message of salvation. And they, those churches are more and more all the time. Try to pastor the unconverted. It is very difficult to do. 
And Paul is saying, one of the reasons why it was joyful for me when I was serving you, one of the reasons why it was joyful for me when I was shepherding you, one of the reasons why my thoughts of you are nothing but joy is because I am remembering your salvation. And Paul was grateful to the Lord because of the faith that had been instilled in these individuals. We don't have time tonight, but if you want to read it, it's Acts chapter 17. You can read of the great evangelistic work that Paul was doing in planting this church at Thessalonica. Many of these individuals would have been first generation converts by the apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy himself. They would have been leading them to the Lord. They would have been overseeing seeing their baptism and then they would have been appointing elders to teach them as they went on their way to plant another church and Paul is saying my joy of you is I am remembering that you have a work of faith there is in you a real evidential faith this is similar to what James is talking about. James, the half-brother of Jesus, when James write, writes in James chapter number four. We don't have time to read that either tonight. You can read it for homework. But James says, essentially, in this passage, faith without works is, what is it? Dead. Dead. And Paul is saying, I am thinking of your work of faith. I am seeing the evidences of faith, of true, genuine salvation, and I am seeing it in you. I am seeing it evidenced by you. I am seeing your obedience to the word of God. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says a similar thing. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name, and we did that in your name, and we said these things in your name. And Jesus will, will reply back to them in that, in that great and final day, depart from me, because I never knew you. You see, friend, it is not simply sayers, it is doers. Our faith is not evidenced simply in what we say, by the profile we have, by the title we wear. Our faith is evidenced by the things we do. That is what the Bible is saying. And Paul says, when I think of you, I see the evidence of your faith. Notice this evidence of their faith seen in verse 1, in that they are in God. Look at verse 1. Paul says, Paul, Salvanius, Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, your salvation is evident in that you are in God, in that you are in Jesus. And then notice verse 5, he says, in that you are in the Holy Ghost. He says, for our gospel came not unto you by word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. So in other words, when the gospel came to the town of Thessalonica, it was a gospel that was clear in conviction of sin, the judgment of God, the separation from God as a result of sin. But it was also clear in that it showed them that there was an available righteousness, a righteousness which is not found in our own works, but a righteousness which is found in Christ and in Christ alone. And when the Thessalonians saw that, they believed the gospel, Paul says, and the Holy Spirit moved in. And there's now an evidence to this in their life. Paul thinks of the Thessalonians, he is grateful for their salvation. He said, well, pastor, how do we know that they truly believed? 
Well, look at verse 6. Paul says, and ye, as a result of coming in, of God coming in you, and Christ coming in you, and the Holy Spirit coming in you, as a result of this, ye became followers of us and of the Lord. And ye received the word in much affliction and with joy. Paul says, we, 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 Evidence that your salvation was evidenced in that you became followers of us. That as we were telling you this is the gospel and this is the truth and this is the way that you should walk therein and you should be filled with the spirit and you should mortify the deeds of the flesh. You, you were followers of us in this. And more than this, Paul is saying, you weren't simply followers of us. You were actually followers of the Lord because that is what the Lord told us to tell you. And Paul is saying you did this even though there was much affliction, even though it was difficult. And they notice in verse, in verse number six that they kept their joy, joy of the Holy Ghost. Paul is saying, I know your salvation was real because it was evidenced and that you followed after us through, through your faith. You followed after us in obedience to the word of God that we preach to you and in joy and fulfillment of God. But it's not just that. Paul also says, I, I've seen this evidence because look at verse number, number nine. For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you. And how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. You can read Acts 17. You can read about the, the serious implications that were laid down in the city of Thessalonica. That if you were to believe the gospel that, that Paul and his companions were preaching, there was literally threat of persecution. Read Acts 17, Acts 18. They walk into the house of Jason. They take hold of him and they drag him out and they throw him into prison as a result of having believed the gospel. Paul says, even with this hostility against you, you held to the faith that we preached to you. How do we know that they believe the gospel? Well, look at chapter 2, look at verse number 13. For this cause we thank God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you which believe. Do you see? How do we know that they really believe the gospel? How can Paul say which, with such certainty that when he thinks of the Thessalonians, he thinks of their true salvation and, and it brings him joy that they made such a conversion? Because Paul is saying, because I am, I am seeing your faithfulness and obedience to the word of God. I am seeing your faithfulness and obedience to the, uh, to the principles laid down by, by your teachers that you should follow after the things of God. Because I am, I am seeing the way in which you have turned from idols to serve the living and true God. You are rejecting the works of the flesh. You are walking in the spirit. And I am seeing your love for God's word, which is, he is saying, effectual in you, it's changing you slowly and surely. Paul says, my thoughts of you are nothing but joy because of your work of faith, because of the salvation, the salvation which we declared unto you and you believed. Second, Paul says, my thoughts of you are nothing but joy because of your service. Notice what he says. Look at verse, look at, look, look at verse three. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love. Paul says, it's your service. It's always been the, the characteristic of this church. 
of serving. That's how you measure love. You measure love by way of service. Hundreds of people in this church serve every week and many of them in ways that you will never know. They're not doing it to get a pat on the back. They're not doing it to get attention. They are simply serving in love, delivering meals, taking sick individuals to the hospital, checking in on the elderly, caring for the weak, driving buses, feeding the hungry, clothing the needy, doing this week in and week out in a multitude of ways. Paul is saying your service, your labor, your labor of love in this way. So consequently, what, look what happens. Look at verse number seven. So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Paul says your service, your testimony of service, it spread around to the other churches about the way in which you were serving. Paul doesn't say that. He goes even farther. And he says in verse number eight, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. And Paul is saying, your, your labor of love, your witness, your service, you were once simply hearing the word. But now, because of your service, you are sounding out the word. So much so that we don't even have to speak of the things that you have done because people are hearing it before we even get there. So they were an exemplary church, not simply because they were serving inside the church, although they were. But they were an exemplary church because even their witness had, had, had shown a record and a testimony outside. And so it is with you as the first Baptist church. Several, time, several times already this week I've received call, calls from different churches or pastor friends. How did you guys raise that money? Who did you raise that money for? Where are you sending it? We want to do that in our church. And we're saying, good, get on with it already. Jesus is coming soon. Let's go. Paul is saying, my joy that I have of you continually is as a result of the salvation I know that you have, the service I know that you are doing. And Paul says, my, my thoughts of joy are continually for you, notice, because of your patience of hope, your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope. Patience of hope means endurance or steadfastness. This is a sign of a great church. Sign of a great church is that they are not simply looking for the latest fad, they're not simply trying to get the newest update. Not simply looking for change for change's sake. That there, that something is holding them beyond that. It is what Paul says in chapter 2 verse 13. It is the word of God, he says, that you love. It is the word of God that you are standing on. You don't, you don't come to this church because we, we tell you how to get a bigger house. You don't come to this church because we tell you how to get a bigger car or be more successful or move higher up the, the corporate ladder. If you wanted that stuff, you could stay at home and watch that kind of garbage on TV. In fact, some of you probably have less money now because you do come to this church and we ask you to give it in a variety of ways. 
It's not our agenda here. So why do people keep coming back then? For the word of God. For the word of God. Do you not see the world around us collapsing? You're not watching as our entire culture and society fall in on itself? Up is down, down is up, right is wrong, wrong is right. Evil is called good, good is called evil. Can you imagine how much worse and worse things will be? And is the Bible not saying this? So, so what do you keep coming back for? And Paul says, it is because the Spirit of God has given you patience. Paul says, it's because the Spirit of God has given you endurance. It's because your hope, Paul says, verse 10, to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. See, it didn't matter to the Thessalonians what went wrong. Their hope was not in their culture or their society or in their promotion or in their position. Their hope was in Jesus Christ. And so no matter what afflictions they faced, and I will tell you this, they faced great affliction. Look at, look at chapter 2, look at verse 14. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God in Judea, which are in Judea, are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, have persecuted us, and they please not God, are not contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sin always, for the wrath is to come upon them to the uttermost. You see what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, of course your affliction was great. And how was it that they were able to endure such affliction? How was it that they were able to endure such suffering? How was it that they were able to endure so much because the Spirit of God had enabled them to do so? They were steadfast. If your hope is in this world, you will not be steadfast. How, how, how could they keep their hope, not in this world, not in their bank accounts, not in their pleasures, not in them getting, how could they keep their hope in this way? They were reminded of the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The churches that don't want to talk about the second coming of Jesus are churches that cheat their people out of a living hope. Paul says, this is our living hope. That we are not waiting for an election we are not waiting for the stock market. We are waiting for Jesus Christ. That's what we're waiting for. This is who we are looking to. So in our tribulation, in our affliction, in our trials, we stay faithful. We keep serving. We keep loving. We keep enduring. Even when we are maligned and attacked and accused, stay faithful. Why? Because Paul says, because your labor will not be in vain. Look at the verse. Look at it one more time. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, 
your patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the sight of God and our Father. What a great victory it was that the Lord gave us in that offering. It will go to help the missionaries and church planners there in Ukraine. It already is on its way. Missionaries right back with such hearts of gratitude can't even begin to imagine what they must be going through. As they stand at train stations with bags of food and bottles of water and gospel tracts and give out the gospel to men and women as they flee in fear in their cities. And these men are saying, we will stay and give the gospel. What a better time to stay than this. And as a church, we have an opportunity to help them. And I thank you for doing so. And so do they. Your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patient hope. It brings joy, not just to me, but to many. A faithful church you are. And may a faithful church we remain to be. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. And Father, we thank you for, Father, the men and women who were faithful before us. Thank you for bringing Brother Vargo to be with us for these last few days and these next few days. Father, we ask that you would reward him for his labor of love toward us, his care, his help, wisdom and discernment that he's giving. Father, we, we, sh we long to be faithful in our own time. Father, we believe that you are soon coming. And Father, if, if that is the case, may we be found working in the field. Found with our sleeves rolled up. Father, I pray that you would help us, Father, to be reminded of what is ours in salvation. In God, in Christ, in the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray that we would live our salvation out in love. We would do as Paul says. We would work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Father, perhaps there's someone here tonight that doesn't know you as their Savior. They've never been saved. Father, I pray tonight they would be saved. Father, and I pray that you would cause us to be steadfast. There is much in our world that threatens to turn us upside down. Father, may we be found standing on solid ground. Your word. Father, I pray that you would give your people steadfastness and patience and faithfulness in times of difficulty when there is much hostility toward the name of God, the word of God. Father, I pray that you'd give us steadfastness and patience and endurance Father, when we face resentment, when we come up against tribulation, Father, I pray that we would remain faithful. And may we remember that there is a watching world and there is a soon coming king. And may you use our testimony for your own name's sake.